Hi folks, this is Michael and welcome to the Blood Walk. And uh, finally today, I'm going to get to the fifth visitation of Yahshua. But before I do, just briefly, I just want to drop something on you here. And uh, it's been on my mind a little bit lately. And it has to do with the word spirit. All right. In the, uh, in the New Testament, which uh, basically is, is most of it's copied out of Greek manuscripts, right? And as I had been uh, sharing with you, that John was Hebrew. He did not write in Greek. He did not write his, uh, his gospel in Latin. He didn't write it in Greek. It was written in Aramaic, which was the language of the day. All right. So when you are reading in John in the, in, the, in, the, in the tail end of the chapters and you're reading about the Holy Spirit, you always see the Holy Spirit as, as masculine. You know, he shall lead you and guide you into all truth and understanding. You know, he shall be your he, 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 he. It's masculine. However, the reason why everybody thinks the Holy Spirit is masculine is because in the Greek language, the word spirit is in the masculine. All right. However. However, in the Hebrew, the word spirit is feminine. It's feminine. So throughout the past couple thousand years, folks, we have lost something that Yahshua, an understanding, a revelation that he gave us concerning the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you know, I hope you guys don't get offended, but the Holy Spirit is our mother. She is our mother. You are born of the Spirit, all right? You're born of the Spirit. Somewhere along the lines in Christianity, I guess they thought that, that the sons of God were, uh, you know, conceived through, I guess, what you would call asexual reproduction, all right? When I was a kid, I was in biology, and, uh, you know, it's like, for heaven's sakes. And it's kind of like in religion, the same thing with the Jews, same thing with the Jews, same thing with the Christians, is uh, there is this attitude towards, uh, towards the feminine, and it's a bad attitude. Uh, you know, they put the feminine as, a, as second class, right? But folks, when you realize that the Holy Spirit is in the feminine, that the Holy Spirit is your mother, everything begins to make sense throughout the entire creation, right? It takes a male and a female to make a baby until you get to Christianity then they think it only takes a male right and it's like guys uh, excuse me but God built this whole creation here and he has demonstrated it to you a gajillion times it takes a man and a woman to make a baby it takes a male and a female to make a baby not just a male right <laughs> you guys got a hold of that okay all right Okay, I just wanted to drop that on you. So let's get on with this fifth visit. And uh, what preceded this visit was uh, some of the most god-awful trials I've ever been through in my life. Um, you know, it, it's not like, uh, and when I say trials, I'm not talking about backsliding. I'm not talking about taking a tumble. I'm not talking about getting shit-faced drunk. You know, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff right now. I'm talking about getting tried on the word. And I'll tell you what, folks, the bigger the promise, the bigger the trial. The bigger the word, the hotter the fire. Just get used to it. You get a big word from Papa, there's going to be a big trial in front of you. Okay? It just, it, that's the way it is. 
you know, it's, it's the trial, it's, it's the fire that uh, causes that word to spring to life within you. It takes a fire, okay? And that's why we go through these things, to try us, to see if we're going to hold on to that word. And when you hold on to that word, it is going to burst forth. It is going to burst forth in the most phenomenal manifestation that you've ever seen, right? So anyway, here we go. This uh, fifth visit was preceded by uh, some terrible trials, and a lot of this had to do with extreme poverty, all right? Um, my wife had gotten a word. Uh, we, have a, we have a prayer time. Every morning we have a prayer time. We did back in Tulsa, and this is where we were at the time when we got this word. And my wife, in our prayer time, and this does not happen very frequently, but, man, a spirit of prophecy came upon her, and she began to prophesy about how God was going to prosper us. Handsomely, he was going to prosper us, right? Well, you know, we had this, uh, this, this little business at the time that God had given us as, as a result of being faithful with, with keeping the Sabbath, right? And I, and I shared that with you in another podcast. Well, we, uh, <laughs> my wife and I, for some reason, always had this, oh, God. This desire to always go back up to the uh, to the northwest, back up to uh, northeastern Washington. We'd had friends up here, and uh, oh god, it just we got in a lot of trouble. We got in a lot of trouble. It's like no sooner, you know, no sooner had we gotten this word right, and we were not we were not flat broke when we got it. <laughs> we were doing okay, right? Well, you know, so we get this wild hair up our butt, and uh, we put our business up for sale, and we. We moved back up to Washington, and we did not have much money. Uh, you know, we prayed about it, and it's like, yeah, both of us kind of had a witness that, uh, you know, that that was there in the future. But I'll tell you what, folks, just because you have a witness that you're supposed to do something, oh, how do I put this? When it comes to geographical moves, right, you might have a witness that, yeah, perhaps one day God is going to put you up there in, in a certain place you're looking at. However, you got to wait upon him for the right timing. Just because you got a witness that, yeah, this is true, doesn't mean that you're supposed to do it right now. you got to pray about that, too. Ah, this is not making any sense. But it just suffice to say, we, uh, we got back up to Washington, back up into the, uh, in, into the northeast, and up in the northeastern uh, part of Washington. It's all logging country, right? Logging and cattle. A uh, few farms, but mainly, for the most part, it's, uh, it's logging and uh, and cattle ranching. So this is where we ended up. And uh, after we were there for a little while, uh, through another series of unfortunate events, we found ourselves up in this area called uh, Onion Creek. And Onion Creek was uh, was up on a mountain. It was up on a mountain pass in, in, in that, this particular area. And uh, anyway, so we find ourselves at this place, and it is... Uh, it's winter, and it is a cold winter. We have no home. We have no home, and uh, but we got blessed, and uh, and we found a guy that was willing to, uh, oh gosh, uh, to, to rent us at, at 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 a you know at a reasonable price. You know this this house that he had back in this place called uh, you know Quinn's Meadow. Well, this house had no electric, no running water. No firewood, uh, no ability to plow yourself out. You know when when the snow falls. You know once you got there, man, you basically you were stuck until you got some help getting out of there. And that's where we found ourselves, man. 
no running water, no electric, no firewood. But, you know, it, it, there was scraps of firewood around this place that we could use, but it was, just, it was a rough time. You know, I'm up there with my, with my wife and, and my son, and, and life is not good. It is not good at all. Anyway, my wife got terribly sick while, uh, while we were up there. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'd mentioned this before, but my dad was a wealthy man. He was a very wealthy man. So my wife got really, really sick, and I had to take her to the hospital. And, uh, and while we were there at the hospital, you know, the, the doctor had said, uh, Mr. Lee, if you do not get her out of here, she ain't going to be around much longer. You know, so it's like, oh, my God. You know, so uh, anyway, so I, I called my dad and I said, Dad, surely you have enough frequent flyer miles, you know, to where, you know, maybe you could give some of these to, to you know, to Teresa because I have got to get her back down to Tulsa. I've got to get her out of here. Dad, Doc said, I'd take her back up to Onion Creek. She could very well die. Please, Dad, help us, please, you know. So he did. And, uh, and you know, Teresa went back down to, uh, went back down to Tulsa. Uh, you know, her mom was down there. And so my son David and I, we, uh, we stayed up in Onion Creek, and uh, we were there for another three months. And it was, you know, it was probably a lot easier for, for the guys to endure that than it, and it was for a, uh, for a city girl. <laughs> you know, my wife was a city girl. And, uh, and it was a terrible, terrible, terrible hard time. And uh, anyway, so anyway, during this time, I'd, I'd gotten really sick too. And uh, I, I was passing gallstones. Didn't even know what gallstones were at the time. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, they are screamers. They are screamers. I don't care how big and how tough you are, man. You start passing gallstones, and you're going to be screaming something fierce. You know, I'll explain briefly how we ended up in such a terrible place. And, uh, oh, boy. We, uh, we'd been with some friends in Colville old friends. I'd, I'd, I'd known the husband since uh, probably 1985, and, and, and my wife uh, had, had known them about the same amount of time. Uh, however, we, we weren't married at the time. We just happened to know this. Both knew the same couple in Colville. Anyway, so we'd been staying with them, and uh, anyway, so big fight broke out. Uh, they told us, you know, get the hell off our property, and oh man, you know, so you know, we had nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. So uh, we had another set of friends that were living in Onion Creek. And they wanted us to come up there and, and to stay with them. And that, that looked pretty good to us. So, Teresa, and I prayed about this. You know, Heavenly Father, you know, uh, would you have us go up there to, uh, you know, to, to, to stay with Russell and Linda? You know, you know, is that okay? Is that okay? And the Holy Spirit said, no. No, I don't want you to go up there. I went, oh, boy. Okay. Well, See, what happened was our friends, Russell and Linda, they were not exactly all that spiritual, okay? And so they didn't take no for an answer. We said, no, we, we can't go up there. You know, we prayed, and the Holy Spirit said no. And they said, not good enough, not good enough. So they began to pack up our stuff. You know, we had a trailer. And, uh, and they, you know, we kind of, Teresa and I, weekly went, well, okay, all right, you know. And so we disobeyed. We disobeyed the voice, all right? We disobeyed. And uh, that's why things got so horrifically terrible up there in Onion Creek, because we were never supposed to be there in the first place. God said no. Anyway, and this, is, uh, this was the hardest lesson I had ever learned about disobedience. 
And uh, once you get chastised, once you go through something over, you know, clear cut, flagrant disobedience, right? And we and we were, yeah. I tell you what, you will learn to never, ever, no, never, ever do that ever again. When God says do something, you're gonna do it. You're gonna do it, man, because He's trying to save you from abject misery. And abject misery is what happens when you disobey his voice, right? He tells you to do things because he loves you. He's trying to protect you, right? But if you disobey, you come out from underneath that that covering and you get your little hiney kicked, right? Terrible kicked. So anyway, so anyway, so as I was sharing earlier, my wife left. We we had to send her back down to Tulsa because she just got way too sick. So anyway, David and I endured that for uh, for another three months, and then uh, you know, th- then the blessing began to happen again. You know, when we were able to leave that place, you know, to uh, uh, to, to pack up a U-Haul and uh, and to get ourselves back down to Tulsa too, um, and, and and so we did. And this was we probably it was probably maybe May, you know, going into spring. Uh, by the time David and I got back down to Tulsa. And I had never been so tired and so weary in all my life. It was just physically, I was absolutely drained. Spiritually, I was wiped out. You know, emotionally, I was just, you know, kind of on the edge. And uh, and it's like, and I was still, I, I was still kind of sick, right? I mean, uh, I, I was, yeah, I was still pretty sick. And anyway, so we get back down to Tulsa. And we no sooner get there. And uh, and my, my Jeep gets repoed, right? Uh, I, I, I paid off. We'd missed a lot of payments when we were up in Washington, right? And so, but I made up all those payments as soon as we got back to Tulsa. Well, the bank said, we don't trust you, and they sent out the repo, man, and they took my car. And uh, anyway, but at the time, I kind of went, oh, God, it's nice to be out from underneath those payments, even though we're, we're on foot now. <laughs> you know, it's nice to be out of them. Anyway, you know what I mean? So anyway, like I was saying, I was weary and wiped out, and I had not heard the voice of my daddy for months and months, right? So anyway, this was at at this particular point. We're getting on towards that. It's around the first part of June at this at this time, and and I said to myself, I said, "Oh God, I gotta fast. I need to fast. I've got to hear your voice, please. Oh God, I gotta hear your voice again." You know, so I did. I fasted, and I was planning on fasting until I did hear his voice. I was was desperate, you know. I was miserable and desperate. And so I had just begun to fast, and I think I was on my second day. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, here comes the word. The word came unto me speaking, right? And this is what happened, is that I, 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 it's like, um, oh, so the, the word that came to me was Deuteronomy 8.18, and the word came speaking. It came speaking. It's not just like a, a verse pops into your memory. Way different, way different when the word comes speaking, right? And so the word came speaking to me, Deuteronomy 8.18. And I'll, I'll just, you know, uh, just quote it to you real quick. I have given you the power to get wealth that... I may establish my father's 
covenant. That's what he said, my father's covenant. But he really punched the word that. And as soon as he punched the word that, like this is the sole purpose for wealth, son, that I may establish my father's covenant. So I had a, a, a vision. And this vision that, that happened within me, it was like I saw this, uh, it's like a rolling pin, you know, like what you use to, you know, to roll out dough. But you see a rolling pin and a scroll, they look almost exactly the same. All right, so I didn't know what it was, a rolling pin or a scroll, but it unrolled in my heart, and it lit up my heart. And so what I saw was I saw all the veins and all the arteries, and they were dark. They were dark. And what the Holy Spirit showed me with this is that the, the veins and the arteries represented uh, my thoughts and, and my motives towards money. All right, they were dark motives. And what... And let me try to explain this to you, is that basically what he was sharing with me was this, Michael, when you're on a job, when you have a job, you are there for one reason, it's not to make money, son, it is to establish my covenant, that my covenant be established, and when you have finished that job, then I'm going to move you to the next one, and the next one, and the next one, right? But the reason why you're there is that my covenant be established, and so it's like, man, it's a big revelation on money that, you know, I thought, well, see, I always thought you needed a job, you know, to put bread on the table, you know, to pay the rent, to make the bills, right? That was my whole understanding of money, right? And it's like, no, son, it is that my covenant be established. Well, to tell you the truth, folks, I did not exactly know what that meant. I, I thought, okay, well, uh, it's, so I would go out and start witnessing to people and testifying and trying to get them into church, right? Um, a big mistake, big mistake. That is not what he meant, right? And so over the course of the next uh, few months and few years, I learned exactly what it meant. And and, and I'm going to share that with you. However, but let, me, uh, let me tell you something very unique about when this visit came, right? It actually came on the day of Pentecost in 1999. And so... Uh, so I, I'd received this word, and and, I'm, and it's not like I was caught way up high in the spirit. It's like I'm sitting in my chair, uh, you know, in, in my morning prayer time, like like coming out of this fast, and, and boom, here comes the word, comes to me speaking. And, and so, you know, I'm pretty excited. It's like, oh, God, I've heard from you again. Oh, Father, oh, Father, you know. And so anyway, so a little later on, I don't remember if it was that day or the next day, uh, but I think it was that day. Uh, again, I'm kind of sitting outside. It's Tulsa, and it's warm, and it's sunny, and I'm sitting outside in a chair. And all of a sudden, I have another vision. I have another vision. And from out of my belly, from out of the depths of my being, rises up the Word, right? The Word. Word. W-O-R-D. All in caps, right? All in caps. And when that Word rose up, the Holy Spirit said, Resurrection resurrection and all at once I knew and I understood oh 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 it is the word that is resurrected within us you know it's like you know no wonder Yahshua was said I am the resurrection and the life I am the resurrection right and it's kind of like it, it, it's not to say folks that you don't get resurrected too but the resurrection that takes place within you 
is the mill thought is being resurrected within you. Do you understand that? The mill thought is being resurrected. It's not like I entered into the resurrection at that time, but I had a, a whale of an understanding of it. All right. And this visit lasted uh, again for, for a couple of months, but this was all the word. Uh, like I said, it was not caught up into super high places into heaven, but it's like all of a sudden the word began popping off the page every time I opened the book, right? And uh, and the Holy Spirit just began opening and opening and opening up all these things that I'd never understood before. And a lot of it had to do with this. The word came unto me speaking. The word came unto me speaking. You know, go through and read the prophets. This is exactly what happened with them. The word comes speaking. Okay? So I just want to reiterate for you the points of this visitation here, this fifth visit, right? First, to establish the covenant. To establish the covenant. Then comes the word resurrection. All right? Establish the covenant. Resurrection. I hope you see the connection, people. I hope you see the connection that in order for us to enter the resurrection, it is necessary that the covenant be established within us, within us. When God begins to do this in you, and I'm going to remind you people that the covenant is not the Christian New Testament. Go to Jeremiah 31, 31, read it, meditate, ponder it, mull it over, chew on it, right? If you have to get out a lexicon, get out a lexicon, look up words, right? But the covenant people is the law, the Torah being written in your heart. And the, and the covenant is the Torah being embedded into your mind, embedded into your consciousness, right? You are becoming the word. And this is what happens as God begins to establish his covenant within you, all right, within you. So here we go. Here we go. It wasn't, uh, and this was like, uh, this was June of 1999. All right, so here it is. It's a year and a half later, right? Now we're coming into, uh, you know, it's around December of, of 2000. And lo and behold, like I was saying, my, my dad was a wealthy man. And he had, his, uh, he had his business. He had a domestic side of his business, which encompassed the entire United States. And he had an international side of his business, which was Japan and uh, and Hong Kong, uh, Shanghai, you know, places like that. Dad, Dad went international. Well, he wanted to focus on the international side of his business, so he sold the domestic side of his business, right? And as it turns out, my sisters and I, uh, we held equal shares. Dad had done this back in the like, you know, back in the late '60s, right? It was kind of like a, you know, for for a tax deal. Right. And uh, anyway, so so here it is. He sold his business. And, uh, and my three sisters and I, we had like, uh, I think it was one third, you know, uh, one, one third of his business, you know, split four ways between my sisters and I. And that came out to be a pretty hefty sum. It was enough, folks. It was enough for Teresa and I to effectively retire Uh and now it was time. Now it was really time to to, to, to move back up to Washington. Uh, I was saying, like, in, in December of 2000, lo and behold, man, here comes a check 
you know, delivered by FedEx, a check for a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars. Man, I'd never seen more than seven or eight grand in my life. I'd never seen that much, but a hundred thousand dollars, right? And not only that, not only that, but they had uh, they they had worked out a deal to where we were going to be receiving right about eighty five hundred dollars a month for the next twenty five years, right? That's the way the that's the way the deal initially went. It it didn't continue on like that, but that's how it initially came down. And so it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know. I mean, you 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 come out. I mean, at at the time that this happened. You know, I was doing well to keep four or five dollars in my wallet. I was doing well just to have that much, right? And, uh, oh, my God. You know, so like I say, man, you know, the bigger the word, the hotter the fire. But the hotter the fire, the bigger the manifestation, the bigger the fulfillment. And it's uh, just because, and, and, and maybe some of you have received Okay, well, let's take a look at America right now, man. The prophets have received an enormously huge, giant word concerning the United States of America. And where do we find ourselves right now as a nation? We are in the hottest dang trial we have seen since the since the birth of our nation. We're in the hottest trial right now. It's a hot fire going on in America, you know. But I tell you truly, as we remain faithful, as we remain faithful to that word, I tell you, God is going to blast things open in this nation. He is going to he is going to drive the wicked out like a curse. He is going to drive them out like the curse that they are. But we got to remain faithful in the midst of this fire, right? That's where the power is. That's where the power is is when you are in the fire and you are standing in the fire and you are declaring my God is faithful and he shall perform the word. He watches over his word to perform it and he will. And it's up to us to remain faithful and to stand, right? But this is the kind of stuff that you learn in the hot fires of God, in the hot fires when the word is being tried within you. You learn these things, right? Anyway, this was the fifth visit, and it was a doozy. It was a doozy. And I'm going to leave it off with that. You know, I'm going to leave it off with that right now. And, uh, uh, Oh, man, just just ponder these things that I've said. Ponder them. And uh, this has been the blood walk. This is Michael. This was the fifth visitation of Yahshua when he came as the word speaking. When he came as the word speaking. And uh, anyway, I'll see you later. This is Michael. This has been the blood walk. And uh, bye-bye.